Would you turn to John this morning and the 13th chapter? And let's get into the Word. Anybody love the Word besides me? I love the Bible. Amen. And have decided that that is the foundation of my life, is the Word. And that it doesn't matter what you think, doesn't matter what I think. It matters what the Word says. Amen. Not your opinion, not your theory, not somebody's book, not some denomination or group's opinion or theory. Where's the Scripture? Right? That's my question about anything. If somebody comes up and says, well, what about this? Well, my next thing is, where's the Scripture? Where's it at? Show me. If I'm wrong, I want to know. Help me out. But don't come giving me your opinion or your theory. Show me the Scripture. And not half a verse that you twisted around. (laughs) The Bible said in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And if it's really a Bible doctrine, you'll find it in numerous places. Amen. Amen. Different examples of it and confirmation of it. But we have been talking in these uh, last several Sunday mornings about the love of God. The love of God. And really the Lord's given me a charge uh, as the, the pastor, under-shepherd of this church of some specific things for us to do. Like we said, we're very young. We're just a little over a year old. But the Lord directed me that I am to lead in teaching for how we are to love each other. Gave me a charge. So I got a job to do. So I've started on it. He also said, teach the people how to live by faith. We've been working on that on Fridays. Amen. If you hadn't been here on Friday, uh, I can't teach if you're not here, you know. Right? And you know, people people miss it because uh, if things are going pretty good, a lot of times they lay out and they don't go. And, uh, and then something hits and there's a problem and they want to come in and counsel. And they want you to give them in an hour or two session what they should have been getting at every service for the last six months. Yeah. And it's just uh, you can't really do it. God's merciful, but you, but you can't make up for that completely. The Lord will help you get through it, but it'll be tough on you. It can be challenging. Uh, if we'd follow the Lord and stay hooked, we'd be ahead of things, not playing catch up. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Something had come up and you go, well, we dealt with that in service last Sunday. I, I know what to do. I'm ready. Amen. Yeah. We dealt with that three weeks ago. But the Lord can't bring to your remembrance something you never knew. Right. You understand? So if you're visiting, you know, and you're out of town, be faithful at your church and at the ministries and churches God's called you to. If this is your church, be faithful here, be hooked, and get everything you're supposed to get. Amen. In uh, John 13, let's read our text and continue on, talking about the love of God. Jesus is speaking, red letters in many of your Bibles, John 13 and 34. Jesus said, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. How many understand this is the New Testament commandment? Does it get much more important than this? Mm -mm. So what about the Ten Commandments? 
If you do this commandment, you will be keeping the ten. Love God and love each other. You're not going to steal from me if you love me. Not going to lie on me if you love me, right? Certainly not going to kill me, murder me if you love me, right? You see what I'm talking about? In fact, it's not just me thinking, that's what the scripture says. Love is the fulfilling of the law. So now, uh, Jesus said, what is the new commandment? What's the New Testament commandment? Love who? Each other. That's talking about your fellow believer. He was talking to his disciples, the people that were following him. Yes, we're supposed to love the world like God loved the world and gave his only begotten son. We're supposed to care. But the New Testament commandment is not specifically for you to love the sinner. The New Testament commandment is for you to love your fellow Christian. Keep reading. How are we to love our fellow Christian? Keep reading. How are we to do it? As I have loved you. We're to love each other as in the way, in the manner that Jesus has and does love us. Now we've begun talking about that. Uh, If you do not receive love, you're not in position to give love. Because such as you have, that's what you give. If you don't have any money, you can't give money. If you don't have any wisdom, you can't give wisdom. And if you, if you don't receive love, if you're not a receiver of love, you're not going to be a giver of love. And even when it comes to money, you'll see people that are very uh, haughty about receiving. I've had a, a member, an individual some years ago, the Lord dealt with me to give him a particular thing. And uh, I went to him and I told him, I said, I want to give you this. Excuse me. And, and he said, no, no, I can't take that. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, please. You know, I didn't just do it off the top of my head. Uh, I felt like I had heard from the Lord about it. I said, take, please, you know. I wanted to bless him and let him, let him know I cared about him. wanted to honor him. I said, here, take that, please. He said, no, no, I can't. I said, sure you can. You just reach your hand out here and unfold it. And I'll put it in there and then you can close it and you'll have it. He said, no, but I can't. I just can't. One fellow told me one time, he said, I don't want to feel like I'm beholden to you. I don't want to feel like I owe you something. I can't pay. I said, it's not a loan. It's a gift. Not a loan. You don't owe me anything. You're not going to owe me anything. And I've had a couple of occasions, that one I'm talking about, they didn't receive it. Well, they didn't know it, but they made me mad. They never knew it. I didn't let on. I didn't show them. I just said, okay, and I smiled and I went away. But it really aggravated me. Because it's insulting. What they're saying is, you didn't hear from God. You don't mean it. You're not serious. You're wanting something. You understand? A number of things. Do you know in some primitive tribes, to refuse a man's gift is like spitting in his face. And it's it's, uh, tantamount to a declaration of war. Whole tribes fight over such things. It's insulting. You ever heard somebody say, well, I love to give, but, you know, I ain't big on receiving. <laughs> well, you got problems, serious problems, pride, ugly, stinking pride. 
Did you hear me? And if you can't receive from people, it's evidence you can't receive from God. Because God's going to minister to you through people. Give, we're just singing. Give. And what's going to happen? How does it come back to you? Shall men give unto you? But what if you don't like receiving from people? Well, then you're not receiving from God. Because He's trying to minister to you through people. No, it's humbling. There's been some situations where I've had uh, in other countries. Young single mom come up with, you know, four or five shabbily dressed children and put a dirty crumpled $5 bill in my hand. Well, your initial response is you want to say, no, honey, you keep that. And here, let me give you something. Yeah, but do I believe what I preach or not? I can't be her, her source and her kid's source forever. I can't even do everything that they need. If she's got a lot of need, does she need to sow? How's she going to have a harvest if she doesn't sow? It's humbling, though, to, to, to say, okay, and, and, and take it in your hand and take their hand and say, well, Thank you and thank the Lord and pray over it and believe for a quick and a multiplied return. Get in faith with them. But see, that seed could produce far more than I could pull out of my pocket. Right? It's humbling, though. Somebody do something for you that you couldn't repay. And it's bigger than you had thought about. You know, you can only receive according to the degree of your humility. You can't bristle. You can't try to make excuses. You just have to humble yourself and go, thank you. End of story. Thank you. And receive it. Well, you must receive the love of God. We've been talking about that for some weeks now. Does God love you? Does He really love you? Care about you? Are you valuable to Him? Are you the apple of His eye? (laughs) Do you mean more to Him? Than the mountains and the oceans and even the stars. Yeah. The devil's a liar. He'll try to tell you that there's not much to you. Ah, you're a sorrowful, uh, pitiful, sorry, pitiful excuse for a Christian. Ain't nothing to you. You've blown it so bad. You've messed up so bad. But next time he starts bringing all those thoughts to your mind, ask him why the Lord paid so much for you. He paid the most valuable, precious thing in all time and eternity. Silver and gold couldn't buy you. No amount. How much is a soul worth? A billion? Ten billion? There's some people in the street will kill you for $25. But a soul. How much is a soul worth? The psalmist said it's, a soul is precious. Its value ceases forever. You, can't, you cannot find enough money to buy a soul. You could take all the gold and all the silver and all the platinum and all the diamonds and all the precious stones in the whole planet. And it's not enough to buy one soul. What the Bible say? You are not redeemed. You are not bought with corruptible things like silver and gold. From your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. But you were redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. The blood that flowed in the veins. And through the heart and in the veins. The body of our Lord and Savior Jesus. The anointed one. 
The life is in the blood. His life in that blood was valuable enough to buy the whole race. And he paid it. He paid the price. He bought us. God loves us. We're valuable to him. And But you're not going to be fit to live with. You're not going to be fit to love your family or friends or strangers unless and until you receive the love that God has for you and you believe you are loved. Amen. And confess that love. And how will I know I'm doing it? Because you will come to love yourself. Thank you for those two amens. What, what did Jesus say? Love your neighbor. How? What if you don't love you? What if you don't even like you? Then your neighbor's in trouble. Because you love your neighbor as you love yourself. How am I going to come to love myself? You've got to realize how much God loves you. And receive the love that he has for you. Hold your place here and go to 1 John real quickly. Hold your place in John 13. Go to 1 John. And the fourth chapter. Is this okay this morning? 1 John. And 4. And 16. 1 John 4. 16. We have known and what? Believed the love that God has to us. God is love and he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. This love of God for me. I can't receive the love of God for you. You can't receive the love of God for me. We each have to receive this love for ourselves. But this love, coming to believe God loves me, and it being real to you, is the cure for all insecurities and fears. I said it is the cure for all insecurities and fears. You read down just a little bit later in the same chapter, which I've already lost. He said, we've known and we've believed the love that God has to us. And down in this uh, 18th verse, he said, there is no what? No fear. That would include timidity, insecurity, little fears, big fears, all the way from being nervous to being terrified. There is how much fear? No fear in love, but perfect love, another way of saying uh, fully developed love, mature, when you are developed in knowing how much God loves you and in loving other people with this love, it'll do what? It casts out, it displaces fear. Fear has torment, so it, it gets rid of the torment in your life. So much of what people do that, that's hurtful to other people, uh, insensitive and uncaring and unthinking words and actions and things that people do, they do out of insecurity. And they do that because they don't love their self and they don't, they don't know how much God loves them. It's not real to them. And this is one of the biggest problems on the planet. 
You can't receive the love of God for me. But you can receive it for yourself. And it'll help you just to go around. All day today. Saying God loves me. He really does. No matter how bad you mess up. No matter what you've done. He didn't like everything you said and did. But he loves you. And he's not giving up on you. Amen. He's not ready to throw you away. He's not ready to cast you aside. Yeah, but you don't know what I did. Yeah, and you don't know how powerful the blood is. I don't care what you did. How awful and how terrible it may have been. It doesn't make it all right. But the blood is more powerful yet than the most wicked, most evil deed and word, action. Can God forgive you? Can He wash you clean? Can he remove the guilt and the shame and the condemnation? Does he really love you anyway? (laughs) Oh man, what that does for your soul. When you really believe that and when you really receive that, fear goes out of you. Torment and vexation leaves you. Trying to prove that you're worth something to people stops. You quit, got nothing to prove anymore. Did you hear me? You got people in this world, they, they'll never make enough money to prove what they're worth. They'll never do enough accomplishments. They'll never, uh, you know, uh, do enough things or give enough things. People are trying to buy people's love and, and buy respect and, and achieve it through accomplishments. You can't. Anything you think you got is just a vapor. It's just a little quick thing that flashes. People are fickle, my friend. <laughs> They'll worship you today and crucify you tomorrow. People are fickle. Oh, but God. Never will you come to the throne to pray and the angel Gabriel meet you and go, I wouldn't go in there today. (laughs) Especially after what you did last week. I wouldn't. If I was you, I'd just turn around and go back. (laughs) No, thank God He is the same. Yesterday, today, forever, He is the Lord who does not change. And His mercies and compassions do not fail. They are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness. And He loves me. Everybody said out loud, He loves me. I'm valuable to Him. Oh, glory to God. I know we keep spending extra time on this, but friend, how many realize you're not ready to talk about loving somebody else? And you don't even like yourself. Why do people commit suicide? Among other things, they they hate their life. They don't want to go on living like it is. They don't just hate their, they're not just shooting their lifestyle, they're shooting their self. Why? They hate their self. They want to murder their self. You can't do that to yourself and you love yourself. And the devil is a killer. He's a liar. He's a destroyer. And he's, he works on people from the time they're old enough, little toddlers, to tell them lies about how worthless they are and how their family would be better off if they were out of here. Your church would be better off if you were gone. Your, your business would be better. You're just dead weight. You're just a drag. You're just wasting the air. He's a liar. He's a liar. He hates you. But God loves you. And I don't care how bad it's been. God is almighty. He's powerful. He can make the bitter sweet. 
He can turn a, a hellish thing around so that you got days of heaven Amen. on the earth. Whoo! The very thing that used to be your biggest thorn, the very thing that used to be the biggest weakness in your life, you can come to the place where it's a strength. You can help others if you won't quit. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world, but this faith works by love. And this love begins in you believing and receiving the love that God has for you. Say it one more time. God loves me. He really does. I'm important to Him. I'm precious to Him. He loves me. Hallelujah. You couldn't tell you that, self, you, that to yourself too much. Just say it, say it, say it, say it. Faith comes by hearing, doesn't it? Now go with me to 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter again. Before I forget it, this is actually a good setup for our marriage meeting that's coming up, isn't it? Talking about love and camping out here in 1 Corinthians 13. That's good preparation. Uh, I was thinking about different things that would help our family the most. You know, you need, a, you need an extra shot in the arm faith-wise in certain areas of your life. You know, we had a week of increase last year. We just wanted you to have a booster shot and faith for prosperity. And we may do that again this year. I'm praying about it and looking at it. Amen. But uh, I was thinking about some other areas. And the Lord dealt with Phyllis and I both that this is what we need to do right now. Amen. Is faith for uh, marriage, victory, and, and, and completeness. And so uh, if, you, if you weren't planning on coming, if you're part of the family here, we'd really uh, like for you to be here. And if you think you got something more important, look at it close because uh, I don't want you coming too much down the road hollering about your marriage and you weren't here. Did you hear me? Because your priorities weren't right. And if you think your marriage is wonderful, come on too. It could be improved in ways you maybe hadn't thought about. And you want to keep it that way too. Right? Look at it as a booster shot. Amen. Ensuring you from problems in the future. And... Uh, uh, this Wednesday night is prayer time, and uh, come with us if you can. Let's pray about this meeting, and ask the Lord for what needs to happen and who needs to be here, and just pray out some things concerning the will of God. As far as I know, I'm going to be here this week uh, for prayer time, and so come on in. Let's believe. They prayed the last week some about that too. Is that right, Jan? And so we'll just hook up with that and continue in praying about it. Are you there, First Corinthians 13? We said number one. You must receive the love of God for yourself. Now, this is number two point we've been talking about. We started last week. We're talking about the nature of God, the God kind of love. What is love? What am I supposed to be receiving from God? What is it? Because in our, in our world, in our vernacular and vocabulary, love has been terribly misused, the word. I mean, people say, I, I love my car, I love my cat, I love pizza, I love beer, I love this, I love that, and I love you. I mean, what I'm talking about? Well, you love me more than the cat, or you love apple pie more than, is it the same? Or 
And so much of what people, I mean in the 60s, there was this great move about love. And it wasn't love at all. It was lust. People equated sex with love and called sex love. No, sex is not love. And so much of what people call love has got nothing to do with the love of God. We gave this example. I'll give it again. People say, you know, I love you. I need you. That's not loving them. That's not the God kind of love. I love you. I need you. That's you loving you. I love you because of what you do for me. You make me feel good. You bless me. You you help me in my life. You you fulfill me. Well, no, you love you. And you love what they do for you. If they quit doing it for you, then you don't love them anymore. And that's how people fall in love and fall out of love sometimes in uh, minutes. <laughs> Look around, see what I'm talking about. And people say, you know, well, what about love at first sight? That's not love. Maybe it's infatuation. Maybe it's extreme attraction. But it's not love. You can't love somebody you don't know. You don't even know them. How could you love them? Impressed with them? Boys got quiet when I said that. Didn't <laughs> Infatuated? I didn't say you shouldn't pursue and try to find out about them. If you're single. <laughs> and they're the opposite sex. Now, let me just say something here. Somebody said, well, I, I, I'm a man, and what if I'm in love with a man? I'm a woman. What if I'm in love with a woman? Being in love with somebody doesn't mean you're supposed to marry them or have relations with them. You can be in, you can be in love with somebody of the opposite sex. That doesn't mean you're supposed to marry them. Did you hear me? That's your feelings. And your desires don't define you. Just because you want something, that doesn't mean that's what you are. Your desires are to be controlled. Amen? Amen. And do the will of God. And if a desire is wrong, if you'll starve it, it'll weaken. Hmm? Let's say a man is married and he's got three kids and he sees a woman at work that he's very attracted to and he thinks he falls in love with her. Is he supposed to say, well, I've got this desire. I'm adulterer. That's what I am. I just need to admit it. And follow that desire. No, he's supposed to control that desire and then starve that desire. Cut off anything that feeds that and you get to the place where it dies. Might take a little time, but it will. If you feed it, it gets stronger. If you starve it, it gets weaker. Our desires do not tell us what we are. We are what God says we are. Amen. 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 Believe that, say that, and control any desire that's contrary to that. Is that okay? But people use the word love far too loosely. Go to 1 Corinthians 13 if you're not already there because this tells us what uh, the nature of this real love is, what it is, how it acts, how it talks, how it responds. We started on it last week, but let's continue this week. And we said in everything in life, 
give it the love test. Is it of God? Yes, the question, is there love in it? Divine love to show if it's of God or not. Actions, reactions, yours, other people's. Is it of God? Is there love in it? If there's no love in it, it's not God. No love in it means God wasn't in it because God is love. 1 Corinthians 13, are you ready? Can you take a few more minutes? 1 Corinthians 13. Now I'm going to read this to you from other uh, definitions and translations. Because a lot of you are familiar with it in the King James. But let me read it like this. 1 Corinthians 13, 1. Even if I speak with the languages of men and angels, if I don't have love, I'm just a noisy pan or a hollow symbol. If you look up the word, it literally means la, la, la. <laughs> That's interesting, isn't it? You know, sometimes people do that. They put their fingers in their ears and go, la, 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 la. Well, I don't care what kind of a tongue talker you think you are. If there's no love in it, it's just empty noise. Somebody say, yeah, but I'm talking in tongues. Yeah, and I'm reading the Bible. Right? Yeah, but I talk in special tongues. Well, men and of angels. Here we, we said, give it the love test. Well, that was a tongue and interpretation. Was that of God or not? How do we know? Was there love in it? Was there divine love? Now, I didn't, love doesn't always just pat you on the back. Love will reprove you. Love will correct you. Love will rebuke you. But it's for your good. Looking out for you. Wanting to help you. Right? Not trying to show you how spiritual I am. That's selfish. That's not love. Keep reading. He said, uh, And though I have prophecy and understand all spiritual secrets and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, if I don't have love, I'm nothing, a nobody. Even if I meet out in increments all my possessions and wealth to help the needy, even if I give up and yield my own physical body to have it set on fire and burned, if I don't have love, it doesn't benefit me or profit me one thing. Could you give a lot and it be for nothing? Yeah, if you give to be seen of people, if you give to show how generous you are, And you're thinking about you. It's got to be done for their benefit. And if you're really doing it for their sake. You're not out for how many people can know about it. Or publishing it or broadcasting it. You know there's some giving. It's all right if other people know. But particularly giving to people who are hurting and in lack. That's the kind of uh, giving that the Bible said. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand does. I've seen people get upset because somebody stood up in the congregation and said, I want to give this on the building fund. And they said, oh, the Bible said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand. That says that concerning almsgiving, which is giving to the poor. Now, don't misunderstand me. Somebody could stand up and say, I want to give this to be seen too. But uh, it's not necessarily wrong. I mean, we get up every uh, week and tell you about these seats that came in. We don't necessarily call names. But if we wanted to, it wouldn't necessarily be wrong. 
But when you got somebody, I've seen people do this in a church service, you know, ah, oh, you know, so-and-so is, uh, they don't have food to eat and they're hurting and they're doing this and that. And so let's do something for our sister. Well, was that necessary? They're sitting right there. You see what I'm saying? Why was that necessary to embarrass them like that? So that's the kind of giving that your left hand doesn't need to know what your right hand does. You, you, you go up and slip some money in their purse and they didn't even know you were there. Put it in their coat pocket. Put it in their car. You understand what I'm saying? They don't have to know where it came from. It came from the Lord. Right? There's giving. And that's love. Why? Love is thinking about, well, if I was in that situation, would I want my problems broadcast? Love cares about, thinks about how this is going to affect the other person. Let's keep reading. He goes on to talk about this, the nature of this divine kind of love. Love puts up with things a long time, is patient and mild and kind. What about being impatient? Short fuse. Short temper and ill about it. That's not love. That's selfishness. Do you know all you have to do to be selfish is just wake up in the morning (laughs) and just do whatever you feel and whatever crosses your mind and it will be selfish because the nature of your flesh is selfish. Looking out for moi, making sure number one is okay. And you'll find that is the biggest thing that is conspicuous for its absence in this whole passage, divine love is not selfish. It's not thinking about me or how it affects me. Divine love is willing to sacrifice so that you're blessed. Natural selfishness is perfectly willing for you to sacrifice so that I'm okay. Right? And that is the way of the world. Well, if it costs you something, if you have to do without, if you're passed over, okay, long as I get mine. That's the way of the world. Ungodliness, selfishness. But the love of God will say, I'll do without so you can have it. Right? Jesus took our place. He paid the price so we could be free. Keep reading. This kind of love doesn't boil over with envy and hatred. This kind of love doesn't brag on itself. Is not swelled, puffed up with pride. Now let me just stop right here. Y'all enjoying this, right? Yeah. 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 None of us have completely arrived in love. We should be growing. If you're not trying, you're not even growing. If you don't catch yourself just regularly thinking, well, no, that's not love. That's, that's me thinking about me. If you're not catching stuff like this all along, then you're not growing. If you go for months and months and think, I'm great, you're not trying. Did you hear me? Because you'll be catching things. Now, here's one thing. Selfishness. And a companion of selfishness is pride. Selfishness and pride talks about itself all the time. If their forehead was a TV screen 
And you could see what was on their mind. You'd see that every show's about me. The commercials are all about me. There's even me reruns. It's me in the morning, me in the noontime, me when the sun goes. No wonder why people get sick. Sick of me. Me sickness. Too much me. And it is, it is it's, it's frustrating, it's nauseating to think about yourself all the time. It is. It's bondage. It's freedom. When you realize you've gone half a day, didn't even think about what you wanted. That means you're growing. I said that means you're growing. You're developing. Don't talk about what I don't have, what I can't do, what others are not doing for me. What I need. What I want. Talking like that feeds ingratitude. And it will cause you to be dissatisfied. And it will cause more selfishness to grow. Jesus said, I do always those things that please Him, that please the Father. So when you wake up in the morning, what should you be thinking about? What do I want to do today? What would make me happy? What would bless me? How many people can I get interested in blessing me? How can I motivate people to give to me? I taught on love for, for I think it was two weeks one time back when I was doing healing school. And a lady caught me at the end of the two weeks outside the door. And she said, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, I'm so glad you've been teaching on this. She said, because I've been trying to get these people to walk in love with me. And they won't. And, and you're, you're getting into that. But how can I get them to walk in love with me and, and, and love me like they're supposed to? I said, Sister, you've missed the whole thing. The whole thing. You've missed it. This ain't about getting people to love you. And yet, if you want to see where people are, when they open their mouth, listen for the words, I, me, mine. Now you're going to have a few of those thrown in just in conversation. But if it's just I, 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 me, 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 then they're living in the flesh. I don't care if they talk in tongues and quote scriptures. They're fleshy, carnal, babies. People who are maturing are growing up in love and growing up in faith. Well, the more you grow in love, the less you think about yourself. And the more you think about other people. You don't just think about me and mine, ours. You you know, and, and this really is such a key to greatness in God. The person who can attain to some degree of greatness in God is the person who can rise above self-awareness and are aware of other people. And other ministries and other churches and other things, other families that are going on and focus on helping somebody else. Can you say amen? Amen. It's a little bit too quiet in here. This is a good thing. This is not bad. This is positive. Right? How many want to be happy? You want to be full of joy? This is the key. Forget about you. You know how I learned this? I'll tell you. Some years ago, thank God it was several years ago, I was in the floor praying. And I was just kind of griping. 
and I was, wasn't happy about how this wasn't happening for me and how I didn't have this and how I wanted this. And, and I was just, you know, praying about it, supposed to be. And, and the Lord spoke to me. I don't mean to heard an audible voice, but he said to me inside, he said, Keith, if you'll just forget about you, about 90% of your problems will just fade away. I thought, if I forget about me, well, then I'm not going to be laying here griping about what I don't have or what I need or what I want. How many, what about pray about then? <laughs> you know why you're laughing so hard? <laughs> now, I challenge you. Don't just come to church and pass the time and go. Don't just come like being entertained. This is the locker room. And today I'm the under coach. Amen. And I'm saying this is how we're going to play the game. And this is how we're going to win. And we're drawing some plays up here on the board. And you're going to run out of here and go, Ah! I'm forgetting about myself. (laughs) I'm walking in love. Right? A doer. Being a doer. Of the word. Love. uh, Doesn't brag on itself. It's not swelled and puffed up with pride. Love doesn't act improperly. Or inappropriately. Love is not rude. Not just a matter of manners. Or courtesy. It's a matter of godliness. You show me a rude person. I'll show you an immature carnal Christian. I've seen people, bless their hearts. I, I was with some people one time, we were traveling somewhere, other ministers. This one guy, we were traveling commercial, air, and, and he just chewed out this woman behind the, the, the uh, counter, and this, other, this baggage handler, he chewed on him, just rude. And I guess he saw the displeasure in my eyes about it. He said, well, he said, you know, uh, I have a prophet's anointing, and I'm just kind of, you know, I'm rough, and I don't mean to be, but that's just my anointing. No. No. You're just rude. People have that gift that are not even saved. Highly developed in that gift. Rude, crude, uncouth. And you know, you can get up in the morning, Lord, give me favor with everybody I need to deal with today. Move for me supernaturally. Incline their hearts toward me and give me favor. You can pray in faith. If you believe that, He'll be working on people before you ever see them. But you get there and act like a heathen and treat them rude and undo everything He was doing before you got there. Before you showed up, they were thinking, you know, I don't know why, but I just like them. And I just want to do something for them. I want to give them a break. I want to give them a deal. And you show up and act like the heathen. And they go, well, forget that. I ain't doing it. Huh? It has happened time after time after time. Love is doesn't behave unmannerly. Love will let people get ahead of line in front of you. Hmm? Love will, will pass your opportunity to somebody else. Other people have a life too. Other people have a schedule too. That's part, part of growing up in love. It's just awareness that there's other people on the planet beside me. 
And they have things that are important to them just like I do. Amen? Amen. That the highway wasn't just built for me. And the grocery store wasn't just built for me. Or the hardware. Other people are there. They got a life. They got stuff they need to get to. Theirs is important to them. Right? But how many know we live in a world that has become increasingly self-centered? And so people will run over you, man, and not even know they ran over you. They're so caught up in their self-centered world. Push you. Shove you. Not even say, I'm sorry. If they say they knocked you down, well, should have got out of the way. Bless God. <laughs> Give you a track. <laughs> you know, at the Hagen ministry, it's still that way, but especially some of the big meetings, boy, you know, it'd be so many people show up and the seats were, were limited. We had people line up. Phyllis and I did it for years, line up and stand out even in the rain. And man, you know, when those doors open, I've seen people got beat up with umbrellas. I'm not joking. People beat down. Hey, that's my that's my seat. Bless God. Like that is more important than keeping the command. No, it's not okay. You'd be better off sitting in the back. Did you hear me? What what does Scripture say? Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? I mean, He gave Himself. He bore our sins. He took our sicknesses. He carried our pains, right? He was put out big time so we could be blessed. So if if we fulfill the law of Christ, we allow ourselves to be put out, inconvenienced uncomfortable, right? I mean, if you do this, it's going to mess with your life. You understand? If you really do this, it's going to affect your lifestyle. It's going to inconvenience you. It's going to make you uncomfortable in some times and situations where you'll have to say, well, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. And what if everybody was walking in love? Then what would happen? (laughs) You'd say, go ahead. And they'd say, no, no, you go ahead. And they'd mean it. And everybody would be trying to outlove each other and outdo each other. And everybody's needs would be met. Nobody would be run over. Nobody would be beat up with an umbrella. Nobody would be cussed out on the highway or run off the road or such stupid stuff. Right? You'll find that if you don't have time for people, you're confused and deceived. If you're rude to somebody on your way to work on a car then you don't know what's going on. Did you hear me? A car is not a soul. If you're rude to somebody or are impolite or unmannerly to somebody on your way to work on a house or to clean your house, don't you understand that house is going to be a pile of ashes very soon? But that soul lives on. And our time that we put into our structures and our machines and our stuff is going to mean nothing. In a few years. Nothing. But every thought and word and time we put into a human soul. Bears fruit for eternity. We got to know what's important. What's valuable. A lot of times it it doesn't take much time. 
How many understand you can take two minutes with somebody and treat them like you got all day? Amen. Hmm? And yet you really didn't take up that much time. But yet for a few seconds they had your attention. Let's keep reading. I'm commencing to get ready to start to close. Love doesn't act improperly or inappropriately. It doesn't seek its own. It doesn't get irritated and exasperated. It doesn't count and keep up with injuries and wrongs. Well, why would you keep up with injuries and wrongs? Somebody wronged you and you pull out your little book and go, I remember that. (laughs) Sorry, rascal. I'll get you. You just wait. That's devilish. That's unchristlike. That's ungodly. If you had it in your book, mentally or otherwise, you need to tear the page out. Wad it up. Is that right? Throw it away. Say, forget it. They owe me nothing. Not even an apology. We're going to act on this in just a minute. I can tell you're excited about it, but... Maybe you will be more in just a minute. He said, love doesn't behave itself unseemly. It doesn't seek its own. It's not easily provoked. It thinks no evil. It doesn't seek its own. It's seeking another's welfare, another's benefit. Even if somebody hurt you, even if they did did bad for you, you still ought to want to see them do good. Now your flesh will want to see them go under. Hmm? So our rascal serves them right, treating me like they did. Well, I heard so-and-so went bankrupt. And you go, hmm. And you go get in your car and go, serves them right. (laughs) So our rascal treated me. Well, I heard they got a divorce. And I heard he's sick. And I heard, well, you live like that. Reap what you sow. Now, love, even if somebody hurt you and did wrong to you, love wants to see them come out. Even if they hurt you bad, love wants to see them get saved and turn around and be blessed. Them be blessed. They weren't concerned about me being blessed. We're not talking about them loving you. talking about you loving them. And if they'd love me, I'd love them. I'm glad the Lord didn't say that. As soon as they start loving me, I'll come pay the price for them. He loved us while we were still his enemies. Hadn't done anything for him except hate him. Stand up on your feet. Let's act on this word right now. I know we spoke to you a little bit of a splatter barrel message this morning. But sometimes there are numerous things that need to be touched. Love doesn't keep account of suffered wrongs. I said love doesn't keep a record of who hurt me and who did me wrong. So I'm not talking to them anymore. Well, that, that's you caring about you. And since they wronged you, they lost the privilege of conversing with me. See, that's selfishness and pride. You know why sinners sin? 
Because they're sinners. That's what sinners do. You shouldn't be shocked. Right? That's why they need to get saved. I was at a person's house some years ago, and their little boy, what was he, I don't know, three or four years old, he had fallen recently and skinned his knee. I mean, he must have had a pretty good spill. I mean, he, he really took some skin off that knee. Well, his mom had got that real quick, real quick and put some medicine on it and bandaged it, bandaged it up real nice. But he wanted me to see his injury. He comes over to me and crawls up in my lap and he said, look, Brother Keith, look, Brother Keith. And he grabs that Band-Aid and I'm wanting to go, no, 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 don't do that. And he just rips it off. And all of the healing that had been there, too. Just takes it all off. Took the scab off. I'm going, oh, man. <laughs> of course, little kids, they'll do stuff like that, you know. And then it wasn't the end of it. He held up his knee and he said, look, Brother Keith, look how deep it is. And he pulls it like that and opens it up so I can see how deep it is. He wants me to see. Of course, now he just undid the healing that has taken place the last week. Right? It was knitting together. It was scabbing over. Now he's pulled it apart. It's got to start over. While he's doing that, the Lord spoke to me. He said, this is why Christians don't heal. He said, if they would let me, I'd pour in the oil and wine. They'd be healed. I'm talking about, maybe somebody did something bad to you. Maybe they hurt you bad. I don't care. You still can heal up. Right? But you got to let the Lord pour in the oil and wine. And then you've got to let him put the band-aid on it. And you've got to quit talking about it. And quit thinking about it. And quit showing everybody and telling everybody how bad you're hurt and how deep it is. Every time you do it, you reopen the wound and you undo the healing. And that's why people are 20 years later are still not healed up. Not because it's not healable. It's because you won't leave it alone. So we don't keep records of suffered wrong around here, do we? I said we don't keep records. I've suffered wrong. We're going to tear them up. So hold up a list, an imaginary list, of all the people that did you wrong. You see their name on there? Hold it up. Do you remember what old sister so-and-so did to you? Maybe it was a family member. Maybe somebody you worked with. Whatever. Is their name on there? Hmm? All right, now take the other hand. By faith, let's tear that thing up. We tear it up. Fold it and tear it again. Fold it and tear it again. Wad it up. Throw it away. And say this out loud. Father, Father I, forgive them. I forgive them. I release them. In Jesus' name, they owe me nothing. Not even an apology. Not even an explanation. They owe me nothing. I forgive the debt, real or imagined. I forgive it, not by feeling, but by faith in Jesus' name. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, let's do this. Let's pray for them. Say it out loud, Father. I care about them. You care about them. I want to see them do good. 
if they don't know you, send laborers across their path. Reveal Jesus to them. Help them to get saved. If they've fallen away, help them to get back to you and get free, broken, be confusion and darkness over their minds. Be free to serve God in Jesus' name. I want to see them do well. I want to see them free, saved, blessed. They owe me nothing. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated for just a minute. Stay hooked with me just a minute here. Close your eyes if you would. Just wait on the Lord. Now, you don't have to try to forgive them another dozen times. You do it by faith. And even if you have feelings and thoughts come to you later down the road, just say, no, no, I forgave them. Back that Sunday at Faith Life Church, I forgave them. It's done. I tore up the paperwork. They owe me nothing. I have forgiven them in Jesus' name. Got nothing to do with how you feel. It's by faith.